Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You might be shocked to hear that the Fighting Cock has a Patreon. You're not shocked. We've mentioned it many times. Patreon is a way to support this podcast by subscribing for the cost of one pint of Beaver Town's Neck Oil. And in return, you get four additional podcasts direct to your feed every week. We produce the Five Statements podcast, which is an immediate reaction to the latest Premier League result. The Preview pod, which looks ahead to whatever game we're playing in true The Fighting Cock fashion. The other podcast, which taps into everything that has been great about The Fighting Cock, 
that isn't about Tottenham. Like I say, it costs about the price of a pint, and for that, you practically get as many podcasts that you can possibly listen to in a week, which is good value for money, if you like what we do. So consider signing up to the Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com forward slash the fighting cock. Enjoy. Or, or don't. Just listen to all the free stuff that we, that we do. And when I say free, it's just the, the main pod. Right, the main pod that was always been free. Like, forget free. Free isn't the stu- Just do what you want. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel turn I'm a honest person. Honest person. I think we. We have to look at what happened. And the message, I think this is not the right moment, but I will do it. So because I think uh, I'll try to, you'll try to explain. We started the season with a lot of situations that players are away and we build a way. We, we, we build a how we wanted to do things. Um, and we did quite well in the, in the first mm, matches of the season. And uh, I recall the atmosphere was, was huge. Of course, when things happen and, and we have problems and results don't appear and performance don't appear, the momentum goes. The, the good, good feeling goes away. But this is what we have to realize and we have to find a way to go back again. Our fans deserve much, much better than what, that we, what we did on Sunday. I was really pleased and I think them also, our fans were. With the first half was a lot of positives and the second half was not good was not good so we lost that chance to recover the good feeling among us but what I can tell and I can my message is clear we are working very hard we are working very very hard and the players are committed to it we have to find a balance Alistair we have to find a balance between between in our game um, if you want me to talk about the game um, against Chelsea all the positives happen in the second half in the first half and we can share a lot of things that were okay and for sure the fans were happy in the second half we didn't do things we open it we open ourselves one concern that we have of course is when we concede first we don't are not able to react the team is not is not strong enough to go and and give a good a good response a lot of things that we have to improve on but what we saw is what is moving us forward in the first half this attitude, this willingness to go, and really nice football, really nice football. With the quality and talented players that we have, when they start to gel, I'm positive it's going to be good. Hello and welcome to episode 16, season 11 of the Fighting Cop podcast. Today I'm joined on the line by Ricky. How you doing, mate? What's happening? And we've got Flownies, Phil. Good evening. What we just, did you say good evening? Is it, you're not allowed, we're not allowed to do that, are we? I didn't say that. I it said sound, sounded like it. I mean, sometimes subconsciously you might say something you don't think you said. People we'll, find find that, out. we'll find out when the pod's out. Just saying, there's people out there that are offended by that, so you should apologise, even if you didn't say it. <laughs> I'll triple down if I have to, mate. By the beer. Uh, by the beer. Uh, you just listened to a snippet of Nuno's um, press conference before Wolves, <clears throat> and Alistair Gold asked him a question about the performances that we've had and the um, the results. And I just thought that... I just wondered what your guys' take on it was because I listened to it and I thought, this all sounds 
correct. Like what he's saying makes sense and he's saying exactly what you want to hear. It doesn't mean that anything's going to change. But we're five games in in the Premier League to his tenure at Spurs and there are so many more people talking about he how long he's going to last at Spurs and I I've been surprised by that kind of conversation. What did you make of the com- of the his answers to Alistair Gold's questions, Rick? Uh pretty boring really. It's exactly the same as you. It, it it's what you kind of expect him to say really. It's um like going back to it like when everything's good, it's good obviously and when it's bad, that's when you kind of have to um not not bring excuses, but you you have to like we're all we're all riding high after you know um, three wins, sitting top of the league and stuff like that. But for me, although coming back down to earth with a, with a very hard bang, two three nil losses, uh, the the second half against Chelsea was a, a collapse um, and a, a really hard result to take. But it's again. Like going back to what we spoke spoke on the last pod, it's with with the the South American trio coming back late, um, having not not enough time to to really bond and gel as a squad. The stuff around Kane as well, we've had some injuries to contend with, and I just don't think that we've had uh, enough time to get that rhythm, that momentum, players to work each other out. You know what what is our best formation? Who who are the best players? that play in that formation, what are, you know, uh, Delhi in this, in this new role of his, like, how is he adjusting? He's, n- he's not going to hit the ground running. He's done some great things there, but also some things that have uh, passed him by. There, there, there are many uh, variables that, that happen um, to be able to get your team and your starting 11 play, playing in a certain way and, and building some momentum. And at the moment, it was great, like the first, you know, no one questioned it at the beginning of the season, the, you know, three wins. But now questions are being levelled, and you know, I'd say quite rightly so because obviously you have to ask those questions, and especially the way we're all feeling coming off the back of it. Um, how do you but, feel about him, Rick? How, how do you feel about him right now, Nuno? Um, to be honest, uh, when we appointed him, I wasn't overly pleased because. He wouldn't, you know, we were linked with Conte, first of all, and that was like, that was the dream. That was who I wanted. Then it went to Fonseca, and I saw a little docu about him. I like the way he plays. Um, I like the guy. And then it went to Gattuso. That, you know, that that didn't happen at all, uh, and, I, and I wouldn't want him. But then, again, you're starting from scratch, and we're literally coming into the season. So you have to make an appointment quickly because it's becoming well it was farcical really mm. but then who who do you, who do you get in who, you know who, who's the, the guy that's going to come in um and take the job and and he was available and he's done he did some great stuff at Wolves and he seemed like a safe pair of hands the transition from how Mourinho played to how he plays it's um you know it is very similar um it's so his, it's worse it, isn't it if anything <laughs> well yeah um, but but how, 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 where are you now uh, though? So, uh, you know, you know I, I'm not. I'm definitely not Nuno out. I would still give him half the season at least, just to see how everything pans out. I'm not going to say, yeah, give him half the season. He's going to turn it around. It's it's all great uh, and stuff like that. I, I'm still you know apprehensive, 
but um where we want to be we want to be we want to harness everything that we have um you know i believe and everyone else believes that we have some really talented players within our squad and if we can get playing and use everyone to um, their maximum potential then i i still think you know top four is 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 the aim and uh, i think if you know if you're playing nines and tens out you know every week that then will be there thereabouts but i just don't feel like nuno is gonna be that guy that's gonna get us there if i'm honest t what did you make of the interview what his response um, to his questions his interviews are always very boring answers are very straight laced it's kind of you know there's not much more you can really say as ricky pointed out the mitigating circumstances with the south american three and injuries to sonny and bergvine and other players so it has been a bit tough uh, you know, he's he's calm right now, but if you lose the next three games, then it could be a bit peak for, for Nuno. 100%, yeah. I mean, that would be uh, win 3-1-0 and then lose. Are you including the League Cup in that? Or yeah, just... as I've said, all, all games. I mean, because there's games. four games, because if you're including the Conference League. But if we don't beat Wolves and we don't beat Arsenal, then um, I think the Vultures will be circling. Um, I think that, this is the thing, is this is what I'm finding quite confusing to some degrees that the, the vultures are already circling there are lots of people out there and, and i'm not sure you know social media is a, is a correct barometer of how a lot of people feel but i think there is genuine reason in some of these arguments against nuno and not that again just a caveat i don't want him <clears throat> to I don't, I don't want him to be sat now at all and like ricky said like there are you know that you've got to give him time to implement his ideas and um, and maybe there is a vision that he has that's completely different to what we're seeing right now. But as fans, when you're watching it, you, you've got to go by what you're seeing. And while we won our first three games and we have been beaten convincingly by the, next, the you know Palace and Chelsea, it's been I'd say less exciting football than under Jose Mourinho, and that says something significant. Because I mean, I think the point in all of that is um, Levy comes out of this passionate speech in the summer about playing free-flowing, exciting football, and um, he handed over the reins to Paratici to sign, um, you know, uh, Mourinho's successor. And you know, Fonseca, Conte, even Poch was linked, and we go from them to someone like um, Nuno's a safe pair of hands. Give him a short-term contract with low wages, knowing that you know, watchers out there. And um, I'm not advocating sacking Nuno now, but I've got no faith in him personally. But I'm not going to spend every episode saying he should go. It's just, it's just one of those things. He's just um, inherited a tough situation. We are in the midst of a rebuild with um, got a much younger profile to our squad now, having um, signed loads of young players and got rid of um, Desoco and Aldevero, who are over 30. So. Rebuild is happening, and I think we probably need a more progressive manager at the helm. To be uh, to be fair to Paratici, the managerial situation was much worse than than it was when he came in. At least we started getting linked to players uh, to, to managers, and then he he came like when he came in, it seemed to be that a search was underway. And the Conte one, which I don't think would have been down to Paratici, if we'd said to Conte, yeah, you can have another two hundred. 300 million over the next two transfer windows to transform this squad he probably would have joined because he said he's come out and said I want to join a project where this club wants to win things 
And that's a, a damning in, indictment on how Levy goes about this football club. And we've got a, it goes about running this football club. We've got a, a question sent in by a guy who just be known as JS um, uh, via email. And he says, I try not to rant. Spurs have been passed down in my family for generations. I don't question my father's love for Spurs, but he is Levy in. Whereas a lot of people live and breathe the club, my father considers it two hours of entertainment on a weekend. Obviously, everybody is entitled to their opinion, but I really don't care about the concerns that fans have about net spend, the lack of tangible success and the like. Though he doesn't share in the profits, he strangely seems to care far more about the club's financial stability and having real success on the pitch. I genuinely can't talk talk to him about Spurs. His dad, I, th- I think you're probably saying, not Daniel Levy. <laughs> all, all it does is add frustration and toxicity to any football conversation. How do you deal with a levy in supporter? Have you any? Have you any? Have you? Uh, sorry, have any of you encountered something like this? I'm not sure he's listened to this podcast, Jay. As much as like you, you've, you've you've made the decision to email us, which is lovely. Um, I think. To this, to, at this moment, I'm still le- leaving in, and, and I think we've made it clear. I've made it clear over the past that he's, I've rated what he's done to build Spurs to become a club in conversation, and I don't think it doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy to take us on to the next level, as we need someone who's willing to just put take money out their back pocket rather than using revenue that the club generate. Um. What, what what do you make of any of those questions or comments there, T? Well, first and foremost, I don't like this need for people to agree with you. And I don't like this need for, if people don't have the same stance as you, that it really kills you. I mean, it spurs, it's not, I don't know, it's not human rights. It's not anything really major in the world. You know? um, we're in the middle of a pandemic, there are, I'm sure... All three of us have friends who don't agree with the vaccine and that. We avoid the subject and it's fine, you know. Um, they don't have to agree with us. We know we're grown adults and, and we get on with it. But to address the Levy thing, well, I'm pretty bored of talking about it. I don't have much new to say. I kind of agree with you there, Flav. I don't think that we are going to be this all-conquering side with him and Enoch there. But they have brought us a long, long way to a point where we're, you know, we're fight- we were fighting at, you know, at the top table. I think that disappointment he you know is I, I think it's in my opinion they've got it wrong and they need to fix it because if you don't get to have a dig football for the next two three seasons at that stadium then it could be troublesome for Tottenham yeah but yeah maybe yeah but, but he, he I think what he ended his question here with how do you deal with a Levian supporter it's almost like they're lepers <laughs> and I, 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 I wouldn't it feels like he's asked us a question without feel like there's more being said than what's on the paper. Not that you should focus on the Levy in part. I think just focusing on whether you're, if you've got your stance and you feel the opposite way, how do you deal with that? I think that's probably what he wants us to run back. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, look, I've... <clears throat> if, I, I, we've talked to people on this podcast. We have people on. Um, what was the guy's name? Savra, I think his name was. And he was staunchly Levy out. And then we had a big transfer window last year with Bow and whatnot coming in. Um, and sort of changed the sway of opinion towards Levy, uh, you know, positively. Um, so it's not, 
it's always important to listen to someone else's opinion. If you're just going to get pissed off and can't hear an opposing view, then you're going to remain frustrated and nothing will change. Um, you, Daniel Levy has done an incredible job in building the brand of the football club. The issue that JS has here, and I'm sure other people, is that they look at what Chelsea have got at the weekend, and Spurs and Chelsea are not incomparable in size. We're probably, if you take away, certainly if you take away Roman Bramwich's era, which you, you can't do because it's part of their history now, but Spurs are a much bigger club than Chelsea. Um, and even now, we're comparable in size, I'd imagine. So we should be able to compete with them in the transfer market. But they have a Bramovich who has motives that are different to Daniel Levy's for a whole host of political reasons. And he's willing to back his football club because the most important for him, for important thing for him is his standing, or you know, his political, his um, public standing in in world on world level, or at least the European level, and Russia. Whereas Daniel Levy is a businessman, and he doesn't have to do that stuff to maintain his uh, integrity as a public figure. Look look into the reasons why Abramovich bought Chelsea. There's a, a fantastic article written by Mohamed uh, Saeed. I think it's Mohamed. It might be Matthew. So forgive me if I've got that. It's up. Matthew Saeed. The table's Matthew. Outside. All right. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Matthew Saeed. Uh, he had wrote a great piece about the agenda that Abramovich has. And that's what Chelsea are benefiting from and continue to benefit from. So Levy is never going to be that because he doesn't have to be. Because if he if he was in a situation where he had to be that, he'd have done some horrendous things previously, which would have which would mean that Tottenham Hotspur fans would have benefited from. But you you look I'm at really really sorry to cut in there, Flav, and I know Ricky will have you a go, but got to look. I think compared us to Leicester would be a more reasonable comparison because yeah, fair like, enough, obviously, yeah. obviously we're a bigger club than Leicester, but Leicester have invested wisely. They've Pick the managers very well. They've brought young players and they're doing well. So I think that's probably a more fair comparison because Levy can easily do what Leicester have done easily. And I think the Poch, having Poch there, made that happen. We've signed, well, I'm going to discount Mason, but we've signed two dour managers since Poch has gone. So he's got to look at that too. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, I only brought up Chelsea because we, we, um, we just got spanked by them. And I think obviously it sort of shows a light on the on the chasm that there is between Tottenham and Chelsea at the moment, absolutely, and has been absolutely. over over years. Rick, Rick, what's your take on it? I think you boys have covered it handsomely, really. But it's it's, it's a tough one, man. And I, I know, like uh, we've been having this conversation for for God knows how long, you know, Levy in or out and stuff. And like you, Flav, I think he's done a great job. In the the new stadium, the training ground, very marketable company now, um, for, like on his side, um, and the, the the next bit. So we've got great foundation. The next bit to get right is uh, the, the manager and the and the, the uh, and us playing the way that we want us to play. And under Poch, um, it you know there, there were there were times where it was fantastic, and I think where Levy felt that. Um, well, all of us did really that with the manager that we had, and he was like Potts was be able to maximise the squad and get everyone playing and in harmony for, for you know, he squeezed out every single last drop from those players and the manager and the playing staff, and everyone was, uh, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet. 
and to get that again from someone else it is it's incredibly hard to, to come across that formula um and for everyone to be thinking in the same way and like T said um the the, the last two managers like Mourinho and Nuno I just I mean I think Nuno's more of that profile of Poch but I just don't think he's he's the right guy and it's it's tough man because like if you you know like comparing us again like with Chelsea and they've just dropped 97 mil on Lukaku and United dropped what was it was it, I don't know 80 mil on Sancho and um yeah, now over ran Grealish. City, 100 mil on Grealish. Yeah. Um, and even back back when uh, Liverpool, I don't know how it was. It was a big sum for uh, Alisson, weren't it? I think it was like 60 or was. Or, or am I yeah, it was about 60 Edison? million. No, it was about 60 I mean, we, million. We, you know, we, we, we can't. Um, well, this is yeah. We we can't compete. We can't compete with that. And yeah, we're gonna say yeah. Uh, like, but we spent it on Tangi, and, and and we have. That's you know what one one player that we've spent a lot on. But uh, these guys can just do it for fun in every every season, and that and and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. They just write it off. Just go and get another one. But we can't do that. You, you know, we've got so much uh, holding us down, as in with the stadium and pay, paying off training ground and stuff like that, and we have to keep to a wage limit and stuff like that. That we we're not in that time at the moment where we can drop that amount of money on players. And I think because we've been sold this dream of the stadium and once we get the, everything in place, you know, the stadium will be this big cash can and we can do that and we can compete with them, but we're not there at the moment. And we need to, to be able to get there as well. You need quite a few years to go past. So we've paid those debts off and that the, the, the people running the club are happy to drop that money. But also we need to be playing, we need to be in the Champions League year in, year out, and we need to be able to attract those players and those managers. So it's it's tough, yeah, mate. It is tough. Um, I would say, though, if you... Like, one of the questions that JS had was, um, you know, not being... Like, he's sick of talking to Spurs fans that were that that you know, talking about net spend. I, I agree with him. Like, being proud of your net, your net spend is absolutely pointless. It's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It, 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 it literally means nothing at all. We should, like, we want a manager, we want a, a chairman who's going to manage the finances in a way that doesn't mean that we end up like Leeds or Portsmouth, 100%. But there needs to be at some stage some speculation in order to make a proper go at the league. And he was talking about us not being able to compete with Manchester City. Um, Spurs and Manchester City had the exact same net spend this year. Um, it was about 20 million. So we spent about 20 million and Manchester City spent about 20 million. I've just checked that up. The only club that's really um, speculated, actually two clubs that are speculated, would be Manchester United and Chelsea. And Chelsea spent about 100 million. And bearing in mind they had that uh, period of... Um, you know, where they're embargoed. So they probably piled a load of cash there. And the difference between, you know the difference between, based on what we've seen with Daniel Levy, is the difference between us and Abramovich or Chelsea is that that stockpile money wouldn't have gone back into us spending 100 million more than we, we, we got in. It would have been about 
um, balancing the books again. And last, I, mis- I, I my biggest misgiving is just how we've spent the money. I mean, when the window shut, I had my worries about we bought a load of players from leagues around Europe, and they've got to settle. I think I thought we could have at least got maybe mid to lower table players who would just come in and do a job and settle. Um, Basuma, for example, right? We could have just got maybe thrown a bit of money at him and just had him be a solid player as a job. I just feel that not the amounts of money we can't compete with um, Chelsea and City in terms of um, the amount we spend, but we can buy sensibly, and that's been my biggest issue with the last two or three years is that with um. The best signing we've had was bought from another English club, which is Hoybier. Um And that'd be obviously he splits opinion, but I think there's got to be a talk in that in the, in the club about you know maybe buying not necessarily English, but players who have been in the league for at least a few years to just to just settle in and do a job because you can't afford for Sessignon to wait two three years to settle. We can't afford to wait for um, Jack Clark to to settle. We need players who are going to come in and do a job, and hopefully. Next few windows, we we sort that out. We saw we we um, recorded the five statements, which is like our instant reaction Patreon podcast. Um, and we mentioned the fact that if you look at the two defensive midfielders or players that break up play in midfield, when Chelsea needed one, they went out and bought the best one in Europe in Kante, yes. and they paid was it forty million, and they're paying him decent wages. I think I've, I read it's like one hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week. And we bought Horbier, Horbier, which I'm not digging out Horbier, but he's half the player that Kante is. And everybody who, every midfielder who makes it professionally and, and plays in the top flight will be, if they're excellent, half the player that Kante is. So it's not a dig out at, at Horbier, but it just shows the level of intent between the two clubs. And it might be what, what Rick said about not having Champions League football means that you can't attract a certain level of player. Um, but we had the opportunity when we were in that situation to really strengthen the side and we didn't do it. And, you know, we can talk about the the um, the stadium and how much that set us back and the time where we had to play at Wembley. We didn't sign anyone for two years. Um, and and, and, and that, they, those might be fair points, but the re- this is the reality now. This is this is the the result of not spending then and building a stadium instead. This is the result. How I'd counter that is that Chelsea can afford to have left to develop a player and buy him off, and they bought Chilwell, they bought Kante, players that they developed. That's fine, but we need to find the gems. And let's obviously, I'm not Kante and Mares are extreme examples of going French lower leagues and finding a player. I'm not expecting us to pull rabbits out of a hat, but mm. we do seem to have a bit of a scattergun approach as, as to the players that we buy. and We've really got to fix that. I mean, the director of football has bought in for that and he bought a load of players from the continent who... Brian Hill looks amazing, looks lovely, lovely, elegant player, but I think all three of us feel that he'll take, you need at least a, a season to settle. It could have yeah. maybe, or as I said, mid to lower league table players. And I think hopefully someone in the hierarchy is telling them this because you can't keep taking punts on players who are new to the league because our signings have to work. Ricky made another point earlier on that... Um, Chelsea can have an expensive sign and he can be shit and they can just replace him. If they're spending loads of money on the play, he has to work out straight away, otherwise... Yeah, screwed. Tottenham, for sure. I mean, if you look look at their, their front line, like when so Kai Havertz, uh, Mason Mount, came through the, um, the I mean, youth, yeah. youth set up, but they had Werner at the end, Werner, Lukaku, 
and I think Kai, Ver- Kai Havertz came on came off for Werner. But that Werner cost fifty fifty five million, Lukaku cost a hundred, and Kai Havertz cost seventy five million. That's like close to a quarter of a billion pounds on three players that didn't start the game. And that's that's essentially what Spurs fans want, and I want. I want I want that period I want this moment of speculation where we just go for it like and like you say like not just go for it in terms of um you know buying mid to level mid mid table players like Lacelso and Ndombele and I rate both of them I think they're good, they're good players I still think Lacelso is going to come good at Spurs right but Kai Kai Havertz was a different level Werner was a different level and Lukaku all all three players when Chelsea signed them were at the very top of their respective leagues like everybody, like Bayern Munich were clamouring over Kai Havertz, trying to buy him. Chelsea went and got him. Lukaku was available. They needed a number nine. They went and got him. Werner uh, was, you know, we remember how well he was talked about when he was at RB. You know, people rated him and it didn't work out for him for whatever reason, but they went and they were bold and they got him and that's not what Tottenham do and that, I think, is the crux of the frustration with Daniel Levy and and Enoch, it's like you say, T, it's about signing the right players, whether they're domestic or if they're not domestic, then you pay more and get the top level player in Europe who knows quality will shine shine through. But speculating on La Celso and Ndombele, which they are speculations, they are you don't know if they're gonna be able to come and settle. And both have had as as I think their ceiling's high, both of them, but they've both had very mediocre Tottenham careers so far. So you're right. It's about going out and being ballsy, and we're a club of our size, top ten Forbes side. I know top ten Forbes listed team. Like that's the financial situation at the football club, and we're not behaving like the other clubs in the top ten there. And that's that's where the frustration comes from. And I'm happy to be, I'm happy to just sit back and and th- and, and understand what the plan is and think about right. We're going to do things a different way, and it worked under Pochettino, and it's great when it does work, and you feel like you've got. A, a team full of young, hungry players, local, some of them, some from the continent, and they're all doing a bit. It feels fucking fantastic. Even though we didn't win anything in Pochettino, it was two years were the best Spurs years of my life. But, but if we find ourselves in a situation now where it's really not working and we're playing shit football and we've created less chances than anyone else in the league, then you can't ask questions. It's not a, not. A, I don't know. I mean, another example is Liverpool. Liverpool bought Mane from Southampton. They bought Salah, who flopped over here, was knocking about Italy, now he's probably the best winger in the world. They bought Van Alden from, from a relegated team. All I'm saying is that it's not about us buying 75 million on habits, it's just trying to find the right players to fit in. And it's possible, we can compete with, with those guys, but we just need to be a bit more careful of our signings. Indeed. Ricky, anything to add before we go on to the questions? No, mate. <laughs> Sorry, Ricky, I thought talk over you. No, no, it's fine. I'm just listening and it's just like bloody hell. It's fine. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And that's the thing. Yeah. Is that... Make me happy. Make me happy now. Um, this, uh, this too shall pass. It will. It absolutely will. Just needs one or two more signings. Dude, if you, I mean, even when Potts joined, it was just after Sherwood, you know. So Yeah, people, yeah. People forget that. We got thumped. We remember getting us beating uh, thumped 4-0 Anfield and we were singing... Something about Sherwood was sitting up in the fucking stands, oh, yeah. of, and we were trying. And we were like, I don't think I've, we've ever been that low as a football club ever. <laughs> like even when we got relegated, we were better than that. <laughs> and um, and you thought that you know how where are we going to come back from this? And one appointment, you know, it was, it was all it took. 
you get a, an inspirational player through the door like Modric or you Carrick, Sharon and Berbatov, Klingsman, you know, all these players that and, and Kane coming through the ranks. This that stuff doesn't happen by accident. It happens because Spurs are a significant football club and we can get players through the door or through the youth team that will elevate us and managers that will elevate us. It's just getting all the right things at the right time. And remember, we've had a massive transition. Paratici's come in. Nuno's come in. We're five. Paratici joined on the 1st of July. I can't remember when Nuno joined, but it wasn't. It must, it must have been around July time. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's around the same time. Yeah, and this is the start of something new. And there are, there are always teething problems. I, remember, I, I watched a thing on, um, on BBC about the Premier League years. And they were chronicling um, Alex Ferguson's immediate tenure at Manchester United. United fans wanted his blood. And I'm not saying Nuno's going to be Alex Ferguson. Obviously, he's not. But they wanted his blood. They wanted him gone. When Arsene Wenger, this is a bit weird one. I remember hearing this on the radio. When he joined Grand Passet, he lost his first five games. Japanese wow, fans were furious. That. Furious with him, they were. <laughs> Get him out of my club! <laughs> Thanks for the memories! That's what they were like. That's what I like at Grandpa's Eight fans. They were going mental, and then he was he 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 pulled up trees. All, all I'm saying is that it's football with a club the size of Spurs. We're always going to be in or or amongst it, and we will have moments where we're going to do great things, and we're going to be proud of our football club. But we're too big to not to 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 suffer for too long. It's just how we get to the next step, and whether it is speculation on Daniel Levy's part, whether it is Enix selling, or whether it's just get a manager in that can get the you know you know, greater sum of the parts. I think I fucked that up. I don't, I'm sure it is. I always fuck that up. Greater a sum greater than the sum no greater, greater sum of than the, the sum of its parts. Why don't you jump in when I was struggling in the first <laughs> instance then? Well, well, I thought you might get it. No I didn't I wasn't gonna get it. I was never gonna get it. Never going to get it. You know me. You've known me for nearly 10 years. It has been 10 years. You knew I would never have got that. You just sat there. All right. Greater than the sum of its parts. And that's what we were. And that's what we can be again. Indeed. Indeed. Um, okay. Bat Merton, he says, be honest. Do you think that... that do you, sorry. Do you think what you're paying for tickets could be spent differently and result in a lot more fun? Also, if you saw Kane walking down the street... Would you even bother to say hello? I feel like most of what I'd do is mumble prick under my breath. <laughs> I um, could could you spend your money doing something more fun, Rick? Like the the ticket. Like imagine you was a member, and the ticket was sixty two quid. All right, my my this is my expenses for the day. My train journey was fifty quid return, and there was a sixty pound sixty two pound ticket. And then I'd say I probably spent about fifty quid on drinks and food and whatever. That's that's a hundred and what did I just say? Hundred and it's about hundred and sixty quid on four hours of five hours of travelling, ninety minutes of that bullshit, and then the best bit was an hour in the pub with you. <laughs> is is there a better way to spend your money than that? Uh, the, yeah, of course. There, there's there, there is loads, loads, loads of ways. But would you want it any other way, really? Because when it's shit like it is at the moment, and like the journey you had, and uh, rushing around everywhere, and 
I sweat so much. I was yeah, sweating I, 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 all day. You know what? I was gonna say. I was gonna say about the sweating, but uh, I thought I'd leave. It I turned up and I, I was so stressed. You know, I, I, what I, I don't know if anyone else has this, but when when you're stressed out, I could be sitting completely still. If something starts stressing me out or things going wrong, I'll break into a sweat. Hundred percent. Like if I'm being questioned, if I was being questioned by the police, and I had something to hide, I hadn't done a murder, <laughs> but I might have. I might have lashed out at someone and thought I might have done a murder, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. The minute they say, hello, Mr. Flavel, can you sit down? I'd burst out in sweats. I can't, I'm, I, I can't handle the, the, I can't handle any kind of stress. So <laughs> having the stress of getting from where I live in Wiltshire to the stadium with the idea that I'm only going to have a pint in the pub before I have to go in and watch Spurs play Chelsea. I've turned up at a pub and I was in buckets. I was like, this is disgusting. So not even like financially we're putting money into the football club, but also physically in terms of the sweat I lost, I was putting into the football club as well. And I was just saying, would you have it any other way, Rick? No, not really. Uh, I mean... Because when it, when we get it, when we yeah, get it, exactly. it's good. It's, yeah. it's better for this shit, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, like, I, I don't know how long I've had my, my season to get for. 15 years, something like that. Yeah. I think you got it 2005. Yeah, something like that. And um, that's, that's pretty good, Fab. Well remembered. Um, I remember exactly when you got it. You so, got it when there wasn't a season ticket waiting list. That's how long you got yeah, exactly. Um, and going to, to, to the games for that long, making the journey from Milton Keynes, paying all that money on travel, doing the travel, on the tickets, food, drink, being in that weather when it's like winter and I fucking hate it. And and then you get you get spanked as well. It, yeah, it's awful, man. It's shit. And you say to yourself every single time, why the fuck? Fuck, am I here? What what am I doing? But then, when you get those results that you you snatch victory the last minute, yeah, that buzz, man, is unbelievable. It's, when when you, you when can't you, bottle it, it's it, it's incredible, isn't it? It's there is no greater feeling on earth than that moment. There isn't in a London in a London derby when you turn when you turn someone over. It's amazing when you come out and then all their fans are there and you're just gloating and you're gloating in the stadium. And also as well, like when when you have had that, when you've had, even when you've just had a cut victory and you know you, you've just gone into the semis or even the quarters and you've, and you've played against United and, you, and you've turned them over and then you're scurrying back to the bell or wherever it is and you get your pint in and then you meet up with the rest of the lads and the whole pub is just pumping. Everyone's so joyous beer being spilt everywhere the song's going up you don't give a shit you don't give a shit about anything and it's that feeling that you go back for every single time and i no, i would not change it like ever. when we we bought these tickets about a, i would have been five or six weeks ago when they first come on sale and we knew chelsea were good and then as it drew near you got three wins on the bounce you get slapped by palace and you think i've got chelsea next and you're thinking oh it's a long way to go i could easily sell my ticket like, I do. A, do I? Do I bother with this aggravation and the likelihood that that Chelsea are going to beat us because they are really, really strong this year. Very, very good. Very good. They just fucking won the Champions League for fuck's sake. But the reason I went, and this is the reason why all Spurs fans go to the football, is I've seen it before. I've seen us doing before. I've seen us smash Arsenal five one. I saw that. I've seen us beat Chelsea 2-1 under Martin Yole when they were flying. I've seen us beat Jose Mourinho's Chelsea 5-3. I remember that. 
I've seen us beat Inter Milan at Champions League uh, in the Champions League three one. And you're just thinking that could happen again. I can't miss that. And that's yeah. that's what it is. And we're capable of doing it. And we over the last ten years we've become comfortable with beating teams who are historically more strong than we are. And now we find ourselves in the fallow period where it's going to be tricky. But we have beaten Man City this year. If no one turned up. Rick, when you went to Man City the first game of the season, you did, did you think, oh, we're going to do these? Or did you think, this is going to be difficult? It's, un, it's very unlikely that we're going to win this game. But as soon as this game started playing out after like, like the first 15 minutes, you're like, hello, this feels you know. familiar. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is as well, like we've got uh, we got Arsenal at the weekend at the Emirates. We always do shit at the Emirates. We always shit our pants and it's always fucking horrible. But like you're saying, you don't know what results are around the corner. And uh, I'm, if we go to the Emirates and we win, I'm not saying that all this is going to be forgotten. It's going to feel a hell of a lot fucking better. It'll go a long way to being forgotten to be. <laughs> yeah. oh, absolutely. When and boys, I just, I just want to get get this because I'm not going to talk to you again um, in terms of recording before Arsenal. And there's other stuff I'm going to talk to talk to you about tonight. But um, when you think of Arsenal away, what is the moment you think about when just what pops into your head when you think Spurs against Arsenal at the Emirates? What moment pops into your head? The the um... Three two, watching it in your brother's flat. Eunice Ball. Yeah, exactly the same for me. What about you two? Um, when um, Gareth Bell pulled a goal back, I was having a drink of the mate because I just thought the game was over. It was two 0 at half time that day. It was the same so game was, we were talking about. Yeah, yeah it's the same game. And um, I'm having a drink of my mate at half time. We hear the cheers go up, and we just steam back in the stage when I watch the game. So. That's probably what I think, man. It's sort of the only game that I've seen us win, win there. So that game's quite poignant. So, and that's the point. Is that how many times we've been done at the Emirates? So many times, right? Sure they is. beat us there. It's, it's difficult to win away at any club consistently over the years. But certainly Arsenal have been, you know, fantastic. In you know, from a neutral's perspective and Arsenal fans' perspective, they've been they've had a great time there, New Stadium, and we've had a couple of results there, and. We remember those two. Those are the ones that stick out. And all of all of these difficult memories, all this stuff you have to go through, all of the the poor results getting done by Chelsea at the weekend and you know, Palace and losing to Arsenal, whatever it might be, those feelings and those those moments, they fade, right? They build your they they, they build your character to to and, and through the years your your character's been moulded to deal with these results and as painful as it is in that moment. Two weeks from now, you won't feel anything about this Chelsea result. You won't. But if you get that moment, that 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 peak, that if we beat Arsenal at the Emirates next week or on uh, on Sunday, then it's going to feel incredible, and a Chelsea result will, will mean nothing at all. That's an amazing point. You know why that's an amazing point? Because I don't feel anything losing to Chelsea. I don't feel anything at all. I don't. I don't enjoy losing the game. I think you said this yourself like a few times. The clubs that have the most money, they should win everything. And mm. losing to a club who has it all, why would I? Why would that hurt my feelings? I mean, it's the London derby. I don't want to lose it, but I can rationalise that very easily. Losing to Arsenal, I can't rationalise that. Even when they're at their peak, it still hurt. Yeah. And if we lose on Sunday, it'll fucking hurt for a while yet because it's fucking Arsenal. It's a real derby. Last week Sunday was a B-Tech derby for me. I don't, I don't see that as a derby at all. Obviously. It means something on the pave because Chelsea are about that life. But 
it's not a fixture I look out for when the fixtures are out. It's the Arsenal game. It always will be. 100%. Like, I know people hate Chelsea, but I don't think they're significant enough for us to hate them. They're not. No, no they've got no rivals. I mean, their rivals are QPR, Brentford and Fulham. And if any of those teams are any good... The games did mean more, but that's the thing. The, is like, all the other like, London teams, all the other London see, teams, the biggest see, teams are us. See, if you, yeah, it's true, it's true. And that, that shows you the size of our football club and what we mean to them and how much we live in their lives. But Chelsea mean literally, like I, I don't like the way their fans handle themselves. But other than that, then they're, they're not, they're not our rivals. They're not Arsenal, and they never will what, be. I tell, I tell you what, Arsenal, yeah. Are there any memorable Chelsea v Arsenal games? Are, no. there any mem- are there any memorable Chelsea v West Ham games? No, none. Are there any memorable Arsenal v West Ham games? None. Absolutely none. none. All their memorable games are against us. Obviously, we get a shooing in a few of them, I'll admit that. But Tottenham is the game. Tottenham are box office. If we're so shit, why do we mean so much to all these teams? Absolutely. If- why aren't they angry at Brentford or QPR or Fulham? Because they're nothing. I'll tell you something for free, Felonius. If Arsenal no. were Brentford, I'd still hate them as much. I'd hate Absolutely. them as much. I'd I'd watch every championship game they played in, or, or QPR, every championship game they played in, hoping that fucking Sheffield Wednesday put a number on them. Absolutely. I would ne- if Chelsea went down. I would never think about them again or West Ham. I wouldn't care. Wouldn't care. This is good chat, lads. You, you brought it back. We brought it back round. Like I feel good now. Good, Rick. Good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I want to get your feelings then on Harry Kane at this situation with Harry Kane at the moment because it's it's moved on from the summer. We moved on significantly from the situation, um, and I've just got to say this, and I've said it like on in the WhatsApp group and whatnot. I can't. I just can't look at him. It's like a brother who slept with your missus, and your missus. It's over between you two. But your brother's still your brother, and you're at a wedding, and you just—I don't want to catch his eye across the 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 wedding because I'll feel to fill him in. It'll be—it's like I just—it's—is it broken, Ricky? Is our relationship been broken, or can it be repaired? Or what, what? I just—I just really can't—I can't stomach him right now, and I, it's a shame. It's such a shame. No, I get that, man. I—I I do get that. Um, I think it can be repaired, and um, like if. We do the the Gooners on Sunday. Like the result of the weekend will be forgotten, and if Kane starts smashing him in again, a couple of games, it will be forgotten, and we'll, we'll have that feeling back. And but what's happened is obviously the the saga over the summer, and um, him coming back late as well was was a bit of a spit in the face, and he you know openly said about um, his disappointment about. Um, not moving to City. And his performances haven't really, you know, they haven't set the world on fire at all. It's, it's been, it has been really disappointing for him because I like, the thing is, uh, I, I get the fact that um, he hasn't had the service. I, t- I totally get that. And, and we've been chopping and changing the team and stuff. Um, and maybe he hasn't found um, his, his rhythm as yet, but it works both ways. And, Although he hasn't got service, it, it doesn't look like the the old Kane would be he'd be gunning for that ball. He he would be searching for it. He'd be taking pot shots from outside outside the uh, box if he couldn't get in the box uh, and have a good chance. But he just seems a bit disinterested. It's just like you know you've got the 
last bit of food on your plate and you're just playing with it or with your fork and just moving it around the plate you know you, no plans of eating it you're just moving it about to make it look like you're doing something it just feels a bit like i don't know man i i'll i'll i'm gonna try and put it down to um still needs to get his match fitness up uh and sharpness still needs to feel in the mood and at the moment with the last two results we haven't really been feeling it and the way we've been playing it hasn't been free-flowing attacking football and he hasn't had the service but i just feel like you know it in six weeks time if he is back to scoring he'll be back in the mood again and it will be kind of not not forgotten but it'll be the, the relationship will be mended but again like, like you're saying um you know i love I love Kane. I don't think I've loved another player. It's like worse, him. It's worse. But, 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 yeah, it hurts, man. It does hurt. I, I, yeah, I feel it, man. We, we're Wadri Giggs right now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Rodri Giggs feels like. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you were talking about him playing, look, looks like he's playing, the way he's playing football is like he's pushing his food around the plate. Yeah. But if you got served raw chicken, you'd push it around the plate. And and you know what the chef was <laughs> staring over you while you ate it. Like what what else would you do? You just have to pretend like you're trying to eat it. And um, throw the plate against the wall, mate. That's what, yeah, but that's what he tried to do in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> the plate bounced back off the wall and hit him in the face. Like a Dick Eaton type shit. The thing the thing of Kane on Sunday, right? I didn't see the Palace game. I I watched the game on Sunday and. Kane was out wide and Sonny was up top and that annoyed me a lot because Sonny's like pumping his board into him against Christiansen and Thiago Silva. He's got no chance of winning them. Son cannot play with his back to goal and Kane's out wide trying to make some things happen. So that was annoying. I think that Kane is someone who, once he gets the goal, he'll, he'll feed off that and he'll, and he'll be fine. But one person who's not mentioned in this entire podcast, I think we should is Jimmy Greaves because we've not spoken about that and I missed the halftime part just to watch um, Chivers and Perryman and Mabbott talk about him and you know and obviously it's fitting that he, di- he passed away in a day that two of his former teams played but um, you know I did feel I think I think he almost transcends Spurs and football to a degree you know his, his passing and you know it's for just you know at least mention the guy in the pod. Um, yeah, no, 100%. We probably should have started with that, really. That would have been the correct thing. Uh, yeah, I, like, I've said this many, many times, um, that my growing up, listening to my dad talk about football and talking about Tottenham Hotspur, and he started watching in 61. His first season was 61. Um, and we achieved all we did in the early 60s, and we won the Carpenters Cup, and, you know... I, I, I think sometimes if you look back, people might think that Jimmy Greaves was a part of that team, but he wasn't. He didn't join till the late 60s, 67, I think. And he became... joined in 61. Huh? He joined, after, he joined after we won the double. December 61. He won the FA Cup in 62. I have to edit this out. I sound like a right cunt. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, I swear he joined in 67. No, 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 no. Because he won the Cup Winners Cup in 63. He went to Milan. After leaving Chelsea, played 14 games for them and joined Spurs in 61. And won the FA Cup season after. So he didn't win the double. He wasn't part of the double winning side. So many people think that uh, Jimmy Greaves was like a part of the double winning team. They, they totally joined later. He joined like in 1962, he joined, right? And, and that's what people think. Like they, they, they look back and they think, um, 
you know, he was um, essentially, uh, he was a part, he, what he did was create himself as, a, as the greatest striker that we've ever had. And goals to game ratio, the best striker that England have ever had. And, um, and, and you know, he did that outside of our most glorious season. And my dad often talks about how Jimmy Greaves was the greatest he'd ever seen. And he actually said that Harry Kane was probably better than Greaves. But I wonder if he would revise that after this season, maybe. But he, it, was, um, it's a, it was a sad thing. But, you know, he was 81. He'd done incredible things with his life. He, done, um, he, he did more for Tottenham than any other player will. He did more for football in, in the goal-scoring and playing sense than almost any other football a footballer will. And I, I think the, the the outpouring of emotion and adulation that um, that there was across all of you know the radio stations and on Sky Sports and on BBC and whoever was talking about him talked about him in the most fondest way, and that was his his abilities as uh, as a footballer and, and what he meant to, to fans that watched him. And I remember, I was listening to Talk Sport as I was going down to to Spurs uh, to to, to White Lane at the weekend and. There was a guy who said he saw him play for Barnet um, in seventies. I think seventy five. Obviously, I'm shit with my dates, right? But he's uh, he was playing for them in midfield, and they said, despite him being sort of much heavier than he was in his heydays at Spurs, he played in midfield, and he was just you could see the magic was still there. And and these these players, they they're, they're so much better than all of the training methods, all of the all of the um, the instruction they're given and, and the nutrition they're given or lack thereof back then, um, they're just God-given talent transcends them and that's what Jimmy Greaves had. So, uh, yeah, man, rest in peace. It's fucking... It's, it's horrible to hear, but it, it's, you saw the the outpouring of um, celebration when they started mentioning Jimmy Greaves and they didn't even need the stadium announcer to, to prompt it. It was just... And to be fair, Chelsea, you know, play for Chelsea as well, so they're going to be yeah. celebrating him. But it was it was loud, and it was just you know everybody in the stadium was clapping and singing. He's one of our own, and it was um, it felt a fitting end to to his life in a sporting sense. Do you, do you want to add anything? Your dad used to love him as well, Rick, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, my dad exactly like your dad as well. It's his favourite player, uh, best player he's ever seen, and. Again, I think I think if you've to, my, my dad has mentioned uh, Kane in the same breath as in the same breath as Greaves as well, but I think um, I think my dad would still still go for Greaves, and when like over the years, like when 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 I meet my old man and we sit in the cafe and stuff like that, he, it was always his name that he would recall, always the goals, always how uh, how how good he was. And um, it's he, you know, where a lot of people that someone passed away, RIP, and they post pictures and stuff like that. And my, my dad was oh, you know, this famous person passed away, but he he was really, uh, he was really emotionally taken by when he heard that Greaves had passed away. Um, and it's kind of like a, a lot of lot of um, people of that era, like my dad watching you know, grieve your hero, uh, pass away. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad. And like, I know you're saying like, um, 
that you, you know people get older and they've had a good life and stuff but it's it's almost like a closing of the chapter of their their life as well the people that that uh followed him mm. and uh, and watched him and stuff and like you're saying in the stadium the you, you could feel the emotions it wasn't just uh it was someone big do you know what like a kind of goliath of a guy that represented our club like the like like no other it's um it it was a, it was you know a fitting tribute and like fair play to the fans as well to, to um, making some noise and and clapping him and that. <laughs> fair play for clapping him and that. No, it was uh, <laughs> what I meant is he scored three hundred odd goals for Spurs. Fair play for clapping him and <laughs> the minute of silence. It could have been a lot more. Um, could have been a lot more somber, but it was it was made. It was a celebration it, of what yeah what exactly we, what we'd known. Yeah, clapping him and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing is, there's a couple more things that I didn't realise is that um, he's one of the first famous sports people to come out as as an alcoholic. Because back then, people just got on with it. And he wrote a book about his, alcohol, his journey with alcoholism, and you know that inspired a lot more other people to kind of come forward with their own issues. So it was a trailblazer for there. Mm. And also um, people like Chris Kamara, they looked up to Jimmy Greaves for sending Greavesy, who I'm sure all three of us watched as well. Yeah, and that was that was one of the first shows to you know have ex footballers there, you know, just shooting the breeze. And you know, his legacy went beyond football. I mean, even my missus has heard of him; she doesn't even like football. So, it just shows how much of a giant Jimmy Keys was. Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, we've got one more question here, and okay. it's from Aiden. And he says, is Bardi right about the Celso? <laughs> he was awful. But what, what, what's Bardi said about the Celso? I presume he probably said that he's finished and probably compared him to some weird food stuff. Are you saying that you haven't listened to the extra so you don't know? Ricky listens to it. That's Ricky's job. <laughs> Ricky, what did Bardi say about the Celso? Uh, I, I don't think it was just... Uh, actually, do you know what? He did, uh, he did say that um, La Celso, he's... The jury's out on him, but I, I don't think he's uh, he's taken with him. And yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I think he's been here long enough to have had his uh, to, to to show us what he's got. And I I just don't know. I personally don't know where he fits in the team and what his strengths are. Really, same. Um, Rick, same not... could be could have been said for Modric and Dembele. Yeah, the set. Yeah, but then after. Dembele was at least eighteen months, at least. Yeah, let's, let's say he's been here longer. I think this is his third year, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. That's probably the last time I saw your mum. I'm not sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think you'll. Uh, yeah, it's just it's his um, third year, and I just thought he would have kicked on from now. I know he's been in and out of the team and different managers and stuff. I just thought. Rick, I love that we've known each other for so long. I can cuss your mum and you just don't respond at all. No, no, I, uh, no, I, I was going to respond, but I just thought I'd just let it go. Yeah, sorry about uh, that sort of blank silence you just heard. Basically, my computer completely crashed and uh, all of what you just heard was going to be lost completely because it, there was a corrupted file, but I managed to find a uh, fucking bit of software online that recovered the file. And I've been very angry because I thought the file was lost. Um, I've been fuming, actually. I've been walking around my house 
just pacing, lashing out at the kids, lashing out at the missus. It wasn't fun. But anyway, I found out a, a way to recover it. And um, luckily, you're hearing this. Or well, say luckily. Uh, I don't know how much you're going to get from it. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm glad you get to hear the podcast. I'm glad I found a way to recover it. And the Spurs will go marching on. Podcast Network. Sports Social 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 Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.